0: It's still morning good morning everyone I want to wish you a happy Sabbath I hope you've been having a happy Sabbath since yesterday evening something mysterious happens when the Sun sets on Friday unlike sunset on Thursday or Wednesday or any other day this is the day of all the week the very best I'm so happy that I had the privilege of growing up Seventh-day Adventist I love every Sabbath and I mean that I really do when we were growing up and it got around to Friday our grandfather made sure we were in line I got spanked one Friday I was not in line I was up a tamarind tree forgetting that it was Sabbath and he allowed us to be there when we came down he asked us what day is today, and I knew we were in trouble. But I'm so happy that God, in His infinite wisdom, gave us a Sabbath, which is more than a day off. God Himself wasn't tired at all. And it's not just a day for tired people or working people, it's really a day to reset and reflect. And I'm happy to be spending this Sabbath. Service with you. Dr. Liverpool, I don't have words for him, descriptive words. He has always been such a gracious man. And I say that with all sincerity. He was pastoring in Guyana when I was thinking of going off to college, and maybe he was bored. He had some free time, and he gathered a group of us, and he taught us Greek before college. Made life easy for me in college. When I got into my Greek class, I realized I was way ahead of the teacher until the teacher taught us that we were never ahead of him. He dropped a midterm exam on us way past where we were because we were skipping class, and I have to blame Liverpool for that. And he said, I'm going to throw this exam. If you guys understand, the only person in this room who knows Greek, it's me. So we got our act together. And he has continued to be a friend. And are we working on this date for a while. I'm glad it has come to pass. Should have been leaving on tomorrow. But as he said, I have a funeral tomorrow. And with this crazy weather, I want to be sure that I'm back home by tonight. It's good to see my friend Pastor Bourne and Mrs. Liverpool and really good to be here with you today. I wish I could tell you honestly I bring you greetings from the president of our conference but he didn't tell me a word to tell you so I'm not gonna lie. I used to hear that thing everybody getting up to say I bring you greetings from the president. But he didn't tell me I told him I'll be here just for today and he said that's fine and that's good enough. That's good enough. Let's pray and preach. Because I understand there is a food after church. And uh, that's always good. So let's pray and get to the spoken word. Thank you, God, for the gift of time. You extend our years one day at a time and this day this Sabbath day is an extension of our years and we thank you as a church as a community we thank you thank you for the mercies on those we love if things had gone terribly wrong for them today we probably would not have been here and so we give thanks Thank you for gifts that are not material. Because there are so many things money cannot buy. So many precious things. Thank you for the Sabbath. And thank you for the word. For song. Thank you for this time of worship. Counsel us now we pray. Remember our congregation that's virtual today. Bless them as well. Coach us, correct us, convert us, we ask, in Jesus' name, amen. The year was 1986. Under a law Massachusetts has subsequently repealed, Willie Horton, a convicted murderer, became eligible for a 48-hour leave of absence from prison. 48 hours of unsupervised leave. Well, Horton didn't return when his furlough expired. It took him 10 months to show up. Showed up after he burglarized somebody's home in Maryland. Thinking his fiancée had returned early from an engagement, Clifford Barnes, the homeowner, was caught off guard by Horton. For seven hours, Horton pummeled and tortured him in his home. When his fiancée finally returned, she was gagged and brutally raped. And then he escaped with her car. Thankfully, the state troopers got a hold of him before too long. That story was the death knell of the political fortunes of Governor Michael Dukakis of Massachusetts who was then the Democratic Party nominee for the 1988 elections against George H.W. Bush. The word is recidivism. It comes from a Latin word which means recurring, like a recurring decimal. In the context of crime and punishment, the recidivist is someone for whom prison has a revolving door. In Out, in, out, in, out. The U.S., you should know, has some of the highest rates in the world. It is noteworthy that the rate is high even among those who have genuinely tried to stay out of trouble, stay out of prison. According to a May 2018 report of the U.S. Justice Department, about four in nine, that's 44% of prisoners, released in the year 2005 were arrested at least once during the first year after release. Michigan's rate, I read this week, is 28%, one of the 10 lowest in the country. New York, where I'm from, is 40%. You can bet they're going to go back. 60% of Americans who are in prison today are either returnees Or will be returning. It is noteworthy that the rate is even high. And I want to emphasize that. These are not all people who want to go back. Many of them genuinely try to stay out of trouble and stay out of prison. Jeff Smith is an example. He stayed off drugs for two years. Following his release from prison. Jeff Smith. He was actually working, he got himself a job and was counseling as well for the Salvation Army. According to Jeff Smith, he felt a sense of purpose for the first time in years. Got a job, counseling former inmates like himself on how to stay out of trouble. Sadly, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, sadly, having a job, attending church regularly, and counseling one Spears didn't and couldn't keep Jeff in the straight and narrow. One of his strategies was to avoid old friends. This dude was trying. But one day, one of them showed up claiming to be dying of cancer, and Jeff decided for some reason to roll with him one more time. The charges which followed were theft, aggravated assault, and parole violation. Another case of recidivism. You wouldn't be surprised that I thought of that in the context of religious people. People like us. Religious recidivists. The reason, the remedy. What's the rate at which we relapse? What's the rate at which we relapse despite strong resolutions and frequent recommitments, weeks of prayer? If those weeks, of those weeks, we have had, all of us, we're going to make us angels. We'd all be angels with multiple wings. Weeks of prayer, 40 days now. Used to be a week, then we got to 10 days, then we got to 40. Conventions, convocations, days of prayer and fasting, altar calls, recommitments, rebaptisms. I had to tell one man, I'm not rebaptizing you anymore. That would have been time number four. Enough is enough. And by the way, our church can overdo the rebaptism thing. But that's another story. Paul wrote on this subject. And Paul wrote on it. Autobiographically, not something we do easily. The text is Romans chapter 7. Mm. Romans is the epistle, Martin Luther, the German reformer, the Protestant reformer whom we've come to love. It was that epistle, Romans, that opened his eyes, yeah. caused him to understand justification by grace. Yeah. Romans 7. 14 and following. Paul is writing here. We know that the law is spiritual. But I. Says Paul. This is the apostle. The king. The prince of apostles. This is not Peter. Peter was up under Jesus. Jesus brought him into that special circle. It was always Peter, James, and John. This is Paul. I know he used to be Saul, but once he became Paul, well, come on. there was no turning back. He went from persecutor to persecuted. This is Paul, man, and Paul says, "I, I'm unspiritual." Sold as a slave to sin verse 15 says I do not understand what I do For what I want to do I do not do but what I hate to do I do and If I do what I do not want to do I agree that the law is good the law is not the problem The church is not the problem its standards aren't the problem Verse 17, he says, as it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. This is sin living in Paul. And then he says in verse 18, for I know that good itself does not. I hear 70 Adventists talk about themselves and 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 what they don't do which makes them better than you because you do what they don't do they only eat lean and green and some of them don't eat at all so so they're better than you cause you still struggling with chicken and beef Jim Cress used to be in the general conference, ministerial, came to my church in Hempstead, Long Island, and he was telling us one Sabbath, uh, Jim Cress was white, preaching in Georgia Cumberland Conference, white church, he told us, and uh, he, he happened somewhere to say Jesus loved fish, and that created a crisis in the church. He said when he got to the door to greet the brethren on their way out one sister said to him, "Pastor, I'm disappointed in you." Was telling the church Jesus loved fish. Do you know why he loved fish? She said, "Tell me." She said, "Because he didn't have the spirit of prophecy." <laughs> Poor Jesus didn't have access to Ellen White's books. Poor Jesus. I had a few uh, white members left when I got to Hempstead Church. One of them, a physician, take the church out every year, the officers and the pastor, to dinner. And we'd go in January. You knew it was going to happen. Dr. De Beer was such a good man. He would take all of us out. And he wrote the check. Same venue, basically same program, same meal. But everybody appreciated it. And they would come around and ask chicken, fish, vegetarian. I try to stay in the middle of the road. <laughs> so I, I, I said fish. Now our meal is before us. A deacon sitting across from me. He's appalled, he's heartbroken. Crisis now. Cause I'm about to eat fish. And he couldn't just let me have my dinner in peace. He said to me, Pastor, do you eat fish? Yes. That's fish, don't you see? What's this about? Paul deserves credit for his transparency. These lesser mortals... Who do not acknowledge their struggles. In Romans 7:18, Paul says, "I know that good itself does not dwell in me. If you think good dwells in you, Houston, we have a problem." Stop applauding your religiosity. Stop admiring your righteousness because when God beholds our righteousness, Isaiah 64, 6, not our bad behavior, our good behavior, righteousness means right doings. When God looks at our righteousness, not our righteousness, Isaiah said righteousness is plural. When God looks at our righteousness is. He sees filthy rags. You are going to go to heaven. Having spent your whole journey here as a Christian. Inadequate. Ineligible. Underqualified. Grace. Marvelous. Matchless. Infinite grace. Will save you amazing grace dr. Liverpool Paul says I know that good itself does not dwell in me does not Mm. I know he says Paul wrote of the difficulty of turning good desire to good behavior Mm. the challenge of turning good desire Into good behavior oh I wish I wish we had some device that would turn our desires our good desires into good behavior he said for I have the desire to do good but I cannot carry it out this is Paul this is Paul this is not Peter Jesus told Peter, James, and John during a prayer meeting. Prayer meeting in Gethsemane. The most critical prayer meeting in Christ's ministry. Thursday night. Before he was crucified. I mean, if there was ever a time to pray with Jesus and for Jesus, that night was the night. Peter, James, and John were privileged to be with Jesus in that inner circle. Jesus wanted prayer partners. And they fell asleep. Jesus woke them up. Woke them up again. And then said the spirit is willing. Don't you confuse your spirit. With your flesh. The spirit Jesus said. Is willing. But your flesh. Your flesh is weak. It's as weak as a plastic bag. On a windy day. Weak. Someone called Paul's summary of the struggle. The battle of the eyes. Eye I versus eye. I. There's a good eye. And that eye is at its best on Sabbath in church. I speak autobiographically. I cannot venture to speak for you. That eye. My eye is at its best in the pulpit, under the lights. Paul has this struggle he explains here. One wants to be good, one wants to be bad, one is righteous, one is a renegade. There's an eye that loves and wants to serve the Lord. But that's only one of them. There's another eye that desires nothing more than forbidden fruit. That eye, the troublesome eye. The contest is won between desire and behavior. Romans 7 18 For to will is present. It's not about desire, it's not about intention. It's always there. Good intentions. I suspect that like me, you wake up every day wanting to be a better person. You get off your knees trying to walk in the straight and narrow. To walk in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. I suspect that the will is present. In the words of the spiritual, I want to be a Christian in my heart. I want to be more loving in my heart. I want to be more holy in my heart. I want to be like Jesus in my heart. The will is present. But how to perform? How? In his book, Conquering the Dragon Within, Marvin Moore makes the point that while the Bible does not use the word addiction its description of sin is similar while the Bible does not use the word addiction the discussion of sin in Scripture particularly in Paul's writing is similar the word that's used in the Bible is slavery and Marvin Moore has a short list of addictions the list includes food sex work shopping relationship internet pornography notice he didn't include substance dependencies there's no mention here of tobacco's nicotine alcohol marijuana and things like oxycontin but we are all All addicted the word scripture uses is slavery slaves to sinful habits chained struggling trying to break free but we are unable to free ourselves brothers and sisters from the tentacles of the flesh it's not external the chain is within the chain is in your heart it's not on your ankle Stop the pretense, church. Everybody knows church is Hollywood. I told a congregation recently, Adventists invented masks. Now, don't tweet that. But we did. We've been wearing masks. For a long time, everybody is happy Sabbath, happy Sabbath, even though your husband slept in the basement all year. Because the church is not even a safe space. That's a part of the problem. You, you don't know who to trust. You trust me and you become a sermon illustration? You trust your friend who trusts a friend. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's why pastor, I've, I've sworn, I, I ask God to help me, to never, ever, ever, ever repeat what somebody confides and shares in me, shares with me. Never. I go to the office for appointments with members. I don't tell my family, they don't even know who I'm meeting. It's not your business. Your business is where you work. I work here. I have a four o'clock and then a seven o'clock. That's enough. Because if I say I have a four o'clock with the Liverpool, you know what they're going to think. Hmm. And even if I don't tell them, they're going to be filling in the blanks. I told one of my churches in the Bronx, I think it was, I told them, I told the parents, I said, if your teenage child tells me, Pastor, I got to tell you this, please don't tell my parents. I'm not going to tell you. They were so mad. My Caribbean people don't get it immediately. I said, I'm not going to tell you. Aren't you proud and happy that you have a pastor who is trying to give your teenager confidence? that I can actually tell him something that he would not tell anybody? I said, let me calm your nerves. If they'd ever told me they're going to kill you, I'll tell you. Come on, I wouldn't let you go to bed with that child in the house <laughs> and not know. And if they tell me they want to kill themselves, I'll let you know. Outside of that, folks, you gotta trust me here because confidence in the fellowship is at an all-time low we're all slaves to sinful habits weaklings unable to free ourselves as I said from the tentacles in our flesh I don't want to hear another church member espousing perfectionism you are misreading the scripture if you're reading perfectionism sinless perfectionism before Jesus comes you're misreading the scripture the Bible calls us to spiritual maturity We, Ellen White says, can only copy the pattern Jesus gives. We cannot equal it. Stop it. You're not a little Jesus. You're just a big sinner. Saved by grace. Here, Ellen White, Steps to Christ, page 47, You desire you. Mm. You, what's the word? Desire. You desire to give yourself to him. But you are weak in moral power. In slavery to doubt. And controlled by the habits of your life of sin. We are controlled by the habits of our life. Of sin. Your promises and resolutions, this is interesting, are like ropes of sand. Mm. Yeah. You cannot, Ellen White, you cannot, Ellen White, you cannot control your thoughts, your impulses, your affections. The knowledge of your broken promises and forfeited pledges weakens your confidence in your own sincerity and causes you to feel that God cannot accept you. We sing Fanny Crosby's Blessed Assurance and we don't have it in the church. And the blame comes to the pulpit accumulated layers of sermons on this subject Mm. have had people call me saying pastor one young man called me I was in the office pastor I'm not going to come back to church Mm. he had a drinking problem and he got to the end and he said I'm not going to come back to church I said stay on the phone with me why where is this coming from he said i think my probation is closed i said stop Mm. i could feel the struggle in his heart the desire but he had lost hope Mm. because he heard some sermon on probation closing and he couldn't put it together that there was still room at the cross for him. Yes, yes. Folks, if you can't put it together, just trust the cross. Yes. If you can't figure out the 2300 day prophecy, if you can't figure out revelation, figure out the cross. Yes. The old rugged cross. Yes. I will cling. Oh, no. Listen, I don't get a preach. Liverpool doesn't get a preach because we're better than you. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it for a crown thankfully the gospel says Jesus accepts us and may God help us understand the gospel help us discover rediscover the gospel the gospel isn't ours to construct the gospel isn't ours to amend the gospel is the gospel and it's good news cover to cover good news isn't that good news the gospel says Jesus saves you can save I can save Jesus saves we have heard a joyful sound Jesus says in 1834 Charlotte Elliot, who was a humorous poet, became very ill. At 32, she was disabled and remained disabled for the rest of her life. She battled depression, But with the support of spiritual people and a spiritual mentor, she placed her faith in God, knowing he accepts us as we are. And she wrote, consequently, just as I am. You're in court, man, and you know you're guilty of sin. You are guilty. but you still get to come. and you still have a chance. Former governor of Arkansas, Governor Beebe, was about to demit office, and his son had had a charge and drug possession years before and his lawyer was telling him ask your dad for a pardon before he leaves office but he was embarrassed he didn't want to go public he didn't want that story back in the news so he did not as the days were running out his lawyer was able to convince him it'll be a huge difference If you get that pardon, the record will be expunged. Mm. It would be as though you didn't break the law. And he submitted the papers. And when his father announced that he was going to give him the pardon, he defended his position, the father. He said, I'm not going to do for my son what I didn't do for anybody else. Mm. And I'm not going to not do for my son. What I did for others. He should have asked before. But he was not going to ask. And I was not going to grant. Don't be like that folks. Don't be like that. Ask the savior. To help you. Comfort strengthen. And keep you. He is willing to aid you. He will carry you through. Jesus accepts us. As we are. And watch this declares us righteousness and this is what got Martin Luther realizing he didn't have to earn it because you can't earn it but God in his infinite goodness God in his infinite mercy God in his inexhaustible grace declares you righteous If you love him sincerely, if you throw yourself at the cross, he will declare you pardoned. He will declare you saved. That's justification. It's what God does for you. I like towels. It's one of the things my family knew I would buy. I'm not a shopper, shopper. I'm a very specific shopper, very precise shopper. I manage my time well when I go into the stores. (laughs) Why are you all laughing? (laughs) I eventually decided, since I was the only guy in the house, I'm not going to go shopping with my family. I'm not doing that anymore. When we were just one car, I would, I would just take them to the mall and tell them, call me, or tell them, take the car. Because I know this is long haul. I'm very precise, Brother Byron. I, I, I need a belt. I need a white shirt and a blue tie. Belt, shirt, tie, home. This thing about touching everything that you don't want, but Come on, so on. things to do, places to go. Let's go, let's go. But I like towels, so I, I would go to the store and I would get, I like huge, fluffy towels. Hold them against myself and I feel like towels. just, just like towels. <laughs> and I would buy four towels easily and go back home and they're like, towels again. I like them. I like comfy things, blankets, towels, warm socks. Even in the summer, I need blankets. I like clean towels, nice, new, clean towels, fluffy towels. I cherish them. I go to the bathroom with them, feeling good about them. And you know, I, I take these long baths sometimes. I sing all the songs I could think of. <laughs> and I'm in there and I preach some of what I preach now to you. And I'm at my cleanest. My towel is at its best. And when it makes contact with me, at my cleanest, my towel suffers injury when I'm at my cleanest Come on. folks this thing about how righteous we are how good we are it's a hoax at our best towels get, get dirty by the way I told my church this illustration one time Kingsborough temples I left them about six years ago and for one birthday gift they had this huge stack of towels in it. <laughs> so my assistant pastor told me it's good for you you should have told them you like cars <laughs> so brothers and sisters as we close today let me just tell you i like cars <laughs> participants in alcohol alcoholics anonymous are taught to quote Believe that a power greater than themselves can restore them to sanity for Christians Jesus is that power would you be free from your burden of sin there is power would you or evil a victory win there's a power greater than you and Jesus is that power power In the blood. Paul asked his famous rhetorical question. Romans 7.24. Who shall deliver me. From the body of this death. Who. Some scholars believe that question. Pastor Bourne was a reference to the ancient practice. Of punishing condemned sinners. By strapping a decomposing body onto their backs. The Romans were horrible. If it wasn't the cross it was strapping a decomposing body onto you that's your sentence they were forced to carry these corpses with odor, secretions and maggots until they became infected thus causing their death these condemned prisoners could only survive if someone in authority Commuted the sentence early enough and ordered the dead body removed from their backs. Paul said, Who shall deliver? Who shall deliver me from this body of death? Paul rejoiced that Jesus substituted his body for ours with his stripes. We are healed. Jesus delivered you, delivered me. We are delivered. We are delivered. We are delivered. We are not strong enough, we are not good enough, we are not holy enough, but we are delivered. Let's be clear about the nature of our deliverance. It's not an overnight delivery. That's FedEx. Sanctification is the work of a lifetime. That means I have to stay in the cross. I have to stay near the cross. I have to hold on to Jesus. I don't get good enough to walk away for a day in the cross be my glory ever till my raptured soul shall find rest rest isn't here rest is beyond the river in the cross so we don't get to run we don't get to take a break we kneel at the cross kneel at the cross your heads are bowed your eyes are closed i want to pray to pray for you and I want to pray for myself and I want you to pray for me gracious father dear Jesus Oh Holy Spirit faithful guide ever near the Christian side gently lead us by the hand back to the cross forgive us our trespasses forgive us our debts forgive us God forgive us our thoughts our words our behavior they never match our profession our religious mouthings we say one thing our lips get it right but our hearts oh God have mercy on us we pray please stand with me have mercy on us Jesus as we stand in your presence those of us who can stand have mercy on us we didn't deserve the invitation you're giving but once again in your goodness you're inviting us to come and kneel at the cross thank you God you see our struggles You see fightings within and fears without. Oh, oh wretched man that I am. We are all declaring today we are wretched. We are sinful. We are weak. But we know we have hope. Hope in Christ. Bless every head bowed here. Bless those who are online today. Some right here in this state, in this city, some Far across the country and even around the world, yes. bless us all. We pray, God, we have the same issue. Yes, we are weak, but you are strong. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, as you're praying in your heart, as I'm praying out loud, you want to say, Jesus, keep me near the cross. Why don't you raise your hand? Demonstrate to the devil that you get it you understand it and you're going to choose jesus over and over again until we stand beyond the river thank you god thank you for counseling us thank you for coaching us thank you for changing us we are going home today knowing it's not i but christ not i but christ thank you if there is someone here today who's not yet given their life to Christ. Your life to Christ. You're not yet a full-fledged believer. Because the Bible says he that believeth and is baptized. They are among the saved. You're not yet a believer. Baptized believer. I want to ask you today to choose Jesus right here, right now. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed. You want to raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me in these closing moments. Pray! That I will do the right thing I will serve the God who gives me this opportunity and invitation why don't you raise your hand God bless you God bless you nobody's too young to say yes to Jesus doesn't mean you'll be baptized tonight tomorrow next week or even next year but your heart is in the right place and God saves us for that thank you God in Jesus name we all pray all of us together Within these walls and from coast to coast, Christ is Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.